0: Welcome back to the show, everybody. Um, Today we're going to pick up with part two of my three-part series on the roads and waterways and bridges and everything else to do with southeastern Louisiana and the New Orleans metro area. Uh, We've been talking with Jason Hoffman of the YouTube channel 504 Road Trips about all of these topics, and in part two we picked up where we left off discussing The freeways of the New Orleans metro area, particularly the interstates. Uh, We also dealt with some bridge-related topics. And then we also started to go down the rabbit hole of additional unbuilt highways around the New Orleans metro area, Um, particularly one of my favorite ones, which is the infamous Interstate 410 proposal, and we'll get into that in a lot more detail eventually during this part. So sit back and relax. And enjoy part two of my conversation. Yeah, you know, we mentioned I ten and all and the kind of the corridor, the path that it takes, and then there's there's the six ten, which was added. It was kind of an afterthought when they considered this idea. It was a part of the 1957 study as well. Um, the six ten alignment through City Park was one of those controversial alignments that, you know, I I believe it came to a head in the early nineteen sixties as the environmental movement was starting to take shape. And what basically happened was that the land for the right of way of six ten was purchased like right before a new federal law took place or took effect that basically said I think this law went into effect in nineteen sixty eight that said that you couldn't use city or state parkland for freeways without, you know, expanding the uh, environmental review process Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. Um, So, and then that led to, so that new law took effect in 1968 and then, the residents of New Orleans fought the city park alignment, but they ultimately lost out because the city had basically given the land to the state prior to the law taking effect. So the law didn't affect, or the law didn't apply in this particular case. That was basically the the line of thought that you know the legal system ended up you know agreeing on. Um, by the way, one of the things I want to make, I want to have a quick aside here this law that i'm mentioning that went into effect in 1968 was basically what killed interstate 40 across memphis
1: oh right Um,
0: because around the same time i-40 was supposed to be routed across uh, overton park in memphis and um the residents of memphis fought it on the grounds that hey, you needed to look into more environmental reviews because you're using city parkland for a freeway. The case ended up at the Supreme Court in 1971, and long story short, the court agreed with the community organizers, and mm. the freeway was eventually was effectively dead at that point. I think it's it was certainly the first time. It might be the only time that the U.S. Supreme Court basically killed a freeway.
1: Well, it probably never got that far after that, you know, because, you know, yeah. once once that precedent's been set, nobody's going to try to, you know, do that. But, I mean, that's it, it's very similar. Uh, the, the, the state purchased the right-of-way for I-610 in City Park in 1966. So I guess they got it by the skin of their teeth. And meanwhile, Memphis, you know, the, the law was passed possibly in response to them building an interstate through New Orleans City Park, and they they passed the law, uh, and that was, I guess they didn't get the plans into to cut I forty through the Memphis City Park early enough. Yeah, uh, and it would have been a very similar situation, except I think Memphis's City Park, it would have been a much longer, um, longer run through the park. Yeah, it would have been a much
0: longer run, and it also would have been largely in a tunnel. Like a well,
1: tunnel that that bridge. was one of the things that they wanted to do. I mean, one of them they were going to put it on the surface, and then they talked about elevating it. And then they talked about talked about, I don't know about it, whether it was tunnel or just below grade. Uh, you know, which would have resulted in this, you know, valley through the park with with an interstate on it. But uh, there there were several different solutions. Offered, and of course none of them were acceptable, and I don't really blame them. I mean, you know that that's a pretty significant park they have there. Uh, New Orleans City Park is only maybe a half mile wide, I think.
0: Yeah, it's not very wide, but it's pretty long, isn't it? Right.
1: Like, yeah. But it, but the part that it's going across is actually you no, know, it's almost a mile. It's forty five hundred feet. Whereas the park in Memphis, I want to say was several miles, you know, and if they were doing anything other than completely burying it and making it hidden it it would it would have cut that park in half and that's yeah. but yeah that's they they shouldn't be cutting i mean could you imagine them cutting an interstate across Central Park in New York? yeah, well <laughs> you know, yeah,
0: well, and I'm sure they
1: tried at some point, but. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, you know, if Robert Moses could have had his way, he would have put a few highways across the yeah, park. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it would have completely changed the the complexion of the green space. Yeah. Uh, even even though you know, uh, I mean, a freeway is only what like a hundred hundred and fifty feet wide, something like that. I mean, what's the right of way of six ten, for instance? It's a six lane highway at twelve lane twelve feet per lane. So yeah, you're so it's talking, what 72
1: like, feet plus another 30 or 40 to you know
0: yeah so you're saying let's let's say it's 120 feet right mm-hmm. um but still that changes the whole look of that whole section of the park because it's not just it's not just the highway it's also the embankment that it's built on and then it's also all the noise from the cars and the trucks so it's no well, longer the pristine green space that it and it was,
1: it yeah. You're much right.
0: farther, It has much farther-reaching consequences than just the hundred feet or so of strip of land that it's built on.
1: You know, and I was saying that I was thinking that it was elevated, but it's it's not. It uh, uh there's it's elevated over Bayou St. John and Marconi. That's no, not Bayou St. John. That's the London Avenue Canal, I think, in uh, Marconi Drive. But then it actually is at ground level now one thing is that it runs right alongside a railroad track that had already cut the park in half
0: that is true
1: yeah and so there is definite there there was already you know historically a division of the park there right the memphis park it would have basically been cutting one quarter of the park off from three quarters of it the way that um what is it, Cooper, Sam Cooper Boulevard, is that what it's called? I'm not, that's, I'm not. Yeah,
0: that's the part of it that was built,
1: yeah. Right. That hits the park about, yeah, I mean, if you divide the park into quarters from the south to the north, it, it, it would be cutting off really about one-fifth of the top of the park. Um, it would have left... And I don't know if the Memphis Zoo existed back then. It would have left that completely intact. Um, but the rest of it, it would have been just cutting off.
0: Yeah, uh, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Then the biggest concern, you know, back then was, you know, cutting neighborhoods in half and... You know, not just parks, but neighborhoods, and in, 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 in what do they do? They give the crappy part that's, that's left to the minorities, and, you know, that that was a big concern back then. Just like, yeah. you know, the Claiborne Expressway in New Orleans, um, you know, cut through a minority neighborhood, and uh, it still hasn't been able to come back, and now they're wanting to demolish the Claiborne Expressway in, in New Orleans.
0: Right. Well, people still mourn the loss of the original Claiborne Avenue with the, well, yeah. with the hundreds-year-old oak trees on the neutral ground that used mm. to be there. Yeah. Um, it just, they were all mown down for this elevated highway there. Right. And I think the latest iteration of any kind of highway removal that I've heard was a proposal made a few months ago to remove some of the entry and exit ramps in the Treme area. Like they're talking about just, they're, they're talking about keeping the highway, but removing some of the ramps.
1: There's only a couple though. And I thought the whole point of it was that the viaduct is 60 something years old now, and it was only expected to last 50 years to begin with.
0: Well, that's another concern that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Cause eventually they're going to have to replace that structure.
1: Right, and that's where they were going to take the opportunity of instead of replacing it, just get rid of it completely. Um, make six ten the main line of I ten, and make the Pops Train Expressway I nine ten or whatever. Make it a spur into the city. It, it, they should just make it. You know, if they were going to do that, they should just make it I nine ten all the way to the end of the West Bank Expressway, as is already partially in existence. Um, but by doing that, eliminating the Claiborne Expressway would completely cut off a good section of the eastern part of the city from the rest of the metro area.
0: It would be be very difficult to get from the Claiborne Avenue corridor to anywhere else. Well, I wasn't so
1: much night thinking night of night. that. I was thinking about the, um, like, the Gentilly area. Uh, mm. You know, they they would normally get on, well, actually, no, I guess uh, Gentilly would get on I-610. It's more like, yeah, the Claiborne area, the Claiborne corridor going down, like, into the Ninth Ward. Right, uh,
0: yeah. You they, would lose... would, they
1: would be more further removed from the interstate system.
0: yeah. And I mean that section of i ten is no picnic most of the time anyway, but at least you have access to the the highway grid right at that right. point, yeah by the way, so one of the things one of the quirky things about the New Orleans freeway system that I believe was only rectified within my lifetime was that you couldn't you couldn't get from let's say i ten westbound on Claiborne out to the um, river-bound expressway and the Greater New Orleans Bridge. You couldn't get there directly. There was no ramp connecting those two. And likewise, you couldn't get from coming off the bridge in downtown on the lake-bound expressway. You couldn't get to I-10 East directly. The reason oh, oh,
1: for that... oh, oh I, I see what you're saying. I-10 West coming from Slidell to get on to the Train Expressway heading towards the Crescent City Connection.
0: yeah. That, know, those the, two, yeah. you know, those two ramps were omitted from the original construction. The reason for that was because the Riverfront Expressway route was going to accommodate those movements. Right, right. right. So they omitted the so they omitted the ramps at the Claiborne slash train confluence right at the Superdome. Um, those ramps were only added, I think, in around 1990, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. The, that that's are, about right, and they are known they are known by New Orleanians as the Claiborne Flyover. Correct. Um, I believe that project to complete the flyover was undertaken at the same time that the Pontchartrain Expressway was widened, which happened at the same time that the second span of the, the Crescent City Connection was built.
1: Right, and actually, that I would say that was later than '90 because the the when they completed. See, the expressway through New Orleans, like through the warehouse district between Claiborne and the bridge, was originally two separate bridges. And they, they updated it and fused them into one bridge. Actually, I'm saying it was two separate bridges. It may not have been two separate bridges, but they had off-ramps in the center for St. Charles Avenue. Um, but anyway, when they redid all that, uh, I was out of high school, so that would have had to have been 91 90, probably summer of 92 when they completed that. And yeah, the flyovers were part of that project.
0: Yeah, so 92 sounds about right.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I would say is 92. Um, the if you were on i-10 westbound, and wanted to go to the West Bank, there actually was a way to do that without having to get off the bridge. But it was kind of illegal um, it, because you would stay in the left lane to take the Claiborne exit, which would get you off of I 10, and then you had to jump over three lanes over a solid white line to get onto a little loop ramp that would then put you on 90 business. And you can do something similar to that coming from the West Bank to get on I-10 East. Uh, and that's actually still there. You can still do that to this day. Um, but it does involve lane jumping, which is, you know, you're actually crossing two solid white lines. Uh, but if there's nothing coming, you can do it. And it's actually quicker than taking the flyover when you're heading out towards Slide L.
0: Oh, is that right? Really? Yeah,
1: but if you can't get over, then you got to go down Claiborne Avenue and make a loop at Cleveland Avenue onto Tulane Avenue and then back up onto the bridge, which the last time I had to do that, when I made that mistake, I uh, actually destroyed one of the wheels on the Saab. Uh, we were heading out towards Gulfport, and I hit a pothole. Ugh. And with the low-profile tires and the soft aluminum wheels that that Saab came with, um, I, I destroyed one of the wheels. And it threw the balance off so bad, you could barely drive the car.
0: Well, we, we know there's no such thing as road maintenance within Orleans Parish, right?
1: God, no. no. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I, I, I now have two vehicles with low-profile tires. I got the Honda Civic, you know, with the 17-inch wheels, And the Saab has, I think, I think they both have the same size tires and I don't drive in New Orleans in either one of those cars.
0: Yeah. It's almost, I mean, some of these streets, it's like you need a Jeep just to get through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A Jeep or a truck. And of course, most people drive trucks around here anyway. So, uh,
0: that was, that was kind of one of those things that I thought was really interesting was that. When they drew up the plans for the New Orleans freeway system, it included obviously this riverfront highway, which, you know, community you know, activists were successful in preserving the French Quarter from this elevated highway that would have loomed at the riverside of Jackson Square, no doubt. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then when that highway was canceled in about 1967, they never went back and rectified the issue of. You know the Pontchartrain Clayborne uh, Junction right, there. That that right. came much later than that. Um, I do want to mention the the tunnel in beneath Harris <laughs> that they did build.
1: Yeah, the Fourth S- Louisiana Tunnel.
0: Yeah, the Fourth Louisiana Tunnel, which was intended to be part of the Riverfront Expressway. I think they built. It's about a block long between Canal and Poydras. I want right. to say. It's right out in front of Harrah's, and now it's used as part of their parking garage.
1: Well, Um, when you park in the Harrah's parking garage on Convention Center Boulevard, in order to get from the parking garage to Harrah's, you take an elevator down below street level, and then there's a, a, a corridor that you walk through that I think eventually turns into a ramp when you get to the casino, and you start climbing upward again, and... You know, that's where they have, you know, the ID checks or whatever. Um, But, yeah, you can walk through the tunnel now. Uh, The tunnel actually extends further than that, but that's the finished part of it that you can go through uh, because the part that goes under Canal Street, uh, Canal Street has actually collapsed into the tunnel at least once in the last 10, 15 years, uh, you know, where they had to close... One side of Canal Street, because the roadway had actually just fallen into the tunnel
0: yeah, I remember seeing an article not I guess within the last few years that you can kind of if you're walking on Canal Street, you can tell where the walls of the tunnel are because that's mm-hmm. where the cracks in the pavement are so that's that very area, well possible, yeah yeah, so that area that whole area is a weak spot in the street that, yeah, that they never really bothered to fix properly i guess yeah
1: and i I know at one time the bus lanes used to end on canal before it hit convention center boulevard and and this may be before hell this might have been back when the river gate was still there i remember the bus lanes ended and there was this thing that's probably commonly seen in new york city but what it was was a vent for the tunnel uh, you know, and I know in New York city, they have vents for the subway system and that's, all that's the different right. underground things. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. So it was probably something very similar to that, but that's no longer there. Uh, cause the bus lanes actually go spill out onto convention center boulevard now.
0: Okay. So you can say that the only section that they actually did start construction on the riverfront expressway, but the only piece of it that exists is a single block that's underground. Right. Right. Um, and I think the reason why they built that at all was because they hadn't even agreed to build the expressway. But because of all the new development that was going on at the foot of Canal Street, they wanted to basically save a place for the highway or just like kind of build the tunnel in that area so that it wouldn't be overtaken by the surrounding development that was planned in the area. I think right at about the same time, they were building what was well what was then called the World Trade Center at the foot of Canal Street. Now it's the Four Seasons Hotel.
1: The uh, It was the international trademark. Uh, and I've that. got a picture that's supposedly of 1964. No, I'm sorry. It's 1960, where the Spanish Plaza was not yet there, the ITM building was not yet there, and the Rivergate, which is what was the original convention center that's now... Gone and Harris Casinos there. None of that was built yet, and so the the tunnel probably went in around that time in anticipation for all of development. You know, like you're saying. Yeah,
0: I think. That's, um, yeah, I think it was like 1960. I want to say it was 64. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. That's,
1: that's probably 60. when they, they they started demolishing other things and mm. got rid of the parking lot where the Spanish Plaza is, and that would have been the time to build the tunnel because that's the only time there would have been that they could have done something like that uh, where there wasn't anything else in the way.
0: Right, because it would have, if you were coming from the Greater New Orleans Bridge, the highway would have literally circled around and then started up north on an elevated structure, and then it would have dove underground in a tunnel through the CBD, and then it would have emerged somewhere... Somewhere, you know, compass north of Canal Street, somewhere down, down river, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, right in the area of, you know, where the French Quarter starts. And then that would have been an elevated structure along the riverbank before it turned north on Elysian Fields. And probably would have mown down all those oak trees along Elysian Fields that you see today. Yeah, that <laughs> would have been.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that that would have really messed up Elysian Fields. Uh, the If there was a Riverfront Expressway, that would have killed what is now Waldenburg Park. Uh, they probably would have taken out the Jack's Brewery in order to do it. Um, and I'm not sure what would have happened to like the French market because... Um, you know, there's wharfs along the river, wharfs. Um, there's there's wharfs along the river and the French market, and there's railroad tracks in between the two. So I don't know where they would have put an expressway there. Um, and then, they, 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 you know, right at the end of the French market is where it would have turned north again because the river curves and headed up Elysian Fields. That, that would have been... Yeah, that would have been a mess.
0: Yeah, they may have routed it along the railroad tracks. They would have. They may have built a viaduct above that.
1: And eliminated the tracks, or just
0: well, just straddled it, them, or well, something. Well, just built it above the tracks. Like, I yeah. assume the tracks would have stayed, but they could have built it there, maybe. Right. But either way, if if it if they built it north along Elysian Fields, it would have destroyed the Maroney. That's for sure.
1: Well, yeah, because that's kind of, I guess that's the middle of the Marigny.
0: Yeah, that's the next neighborhood over, yeah.
1: But, I mean, the Marigny's on I think, on both sides, really, because when, when you cross Esplanade, you get into the Marigny before you even get to Elysian Fields, because Frenchman right. Street, which is pretty much considered to be in the Marigny, is west of Elysian Fields, and the rest of the Marigny's east of Elysian Fields.
0: I think the Marigny was considered the first suburb of New Orleans.
1: Yeah. Like, going back to,
0: like, colonial times or whatever you want to say. Because the French Quarter, for those who don't know, was the original settlement. Or the original, quote-unquote, city. The old city. And then it kind of... It grew along the riverbank, right? Because that's where the highest ground was. Right. So, like, what's now the CBD? What's now um, the Marigny? down, further down river towards Bywater, that's where the first city of New Orleans really took shape. Right. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about these neighborhoods here. <clears throat> but yeah, it, I mean, the riverfront would have been, the riverfront corridor would have been a disaster.
1: Right, uh, you're right.
0: I, uh, I have a feeling that had they built that, they would have had buyer's remorse pretty quickly.
1: I um, think so, Um <laughs> I I just I don't think the system would have worked. Uh
0: Yeah, cuz I I want to talk about that interchange at the bridge because if you if at the south end of the riverfront it would have turned into basically a spiral that would have taken you up to the the Greater New Orleans bridge. And at this mm-hmm. point I should clarify that from its completion in 1958 until about 1990 the bridge over the mississippi river at downtown new orleans was called the greater new orleans bridge Um, this was even after they built after they initially built the second bridge Um, the renaming to crescent city connection didn't happen until 1990 or something like that Um, in fact when they drew up the plans for the parallel uh bridge it was called the the working title of it was Greater New Orleans Bridge number Two right, yeah, so they weren't even at the point of renaming the bridge at that point in the eighties, so that name happened after they had completed the parallel span and it was but I
1: believe the, the new bridge way. opened in nineteen ninety
0: it was it was at the end of the eighties. Yeah, it was, it was right around it was it was right around the time when they were building the Claiborne Flyover and they were completing what was left of the Elevated West Bank Expressway. Right, like that, that it was, was all, all kind of, of linked, you yeah, know, it was together all tied together. Yeah. So, but yeah, like where the Greater New Orleans Bridge was, or where it still is. I mean, it now carries. The old bridge. Yeah, the the quote unquote old bridge. Right. Which right. now carries traffic to the West Bank. Um. That bridge, like if they had built the original conception from the 1946 plan, because I mean, I guess they would have done it this way because it would have taken up the least amount of real estate that the the approach to the Pontchartrain Expressway would have been like a giant helix or a circle. Right. <laughs> and then that would have spawned ramps off of that that would have turned north or down river onto the riverfront expressway. Now, that, that would have been a really neat drive if they had ever built that. I don't really agree with the rest of the alignment, you know, like building a highway to, you know, cast a shadow on Jack- Jackson Square and, and all that. But I'll tell you, that would have been a pretty neat experience. To do
1: yeah, with, uh, it would have been. China. I don't know how long something like that would have actually lasted. Um, you know, as far as being any kind of a decent design, but, uh, I've seen pictures, you know, artist conceptions, conceptions of, uh, you know, what that was supposed to look like.
0: Yeah. I think one of the, um, the most famous renderings from the 1946 study is that full page, you know, rendering of, you know, you have downtown, and then you have the Pontchartrain Expressway going off to the north towards the lake, and then you have the bridge over the river, and then you have the spiral at the uh, downtown end of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my favorite all-time renderings. You know, because I like to play the what-if game too. You know, I'm an engineer by trade, so you know, I, I think about you know what what it would have taken to actually build something like that in an urban environment. Yeah. And also I really appreciate just how forward thinking that was. As I said, the the 1946 plan was very it was very ambitious and they were they knew that the metro was going to grow by leaps and bounds after the war, which it did. Um And so I really appreciate this out-of-the-box thinking that they had on some of these ideas and and this whole, you know, bridge to expressway spiral interchange. It's it's something that probably would have been a nightmare to build and it probably wouldn't have lasted too long because, you know, the standards of the day would have changed to the point where they they couldn't maintain something like that. Um, But it would have been really neat to see. It would have been neat to build, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Because they they never built anything like that anywhere else, did they? Uh,
0: not well, other than I mean, parking garages. Not really. Nothing. Nothing on that scale. I mean, in New York City, we have something called the Helix, which is the New Jersey approach to the Lincoln Tunnel. But that that's more that was more necessitated by terrain huh. than land constraints. Yeah. So if you look at a map of the Jersey approach to the ho- the Lincoln Tunnel. On uh, Route Four Ninety Five, it kind of does a three hundred and sixty degree loop, but that's because you're descending from the Jersey Palisades down to sea level. Um, that's oh, not okay. Because yes. You're com- yeah. yeah. That's that's not because you're coming off of a high rise structure or anything like that. Right. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so it really would have been one of a kind if they had ever if they had ever actually built that. Um.
1: Yeah, because I believe the one that was, that they were talking about here was like multiple, it was more than 360 degrees, wasn't it?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it depends on if you were continuing, if you, let's say you were crossing the bridge from Algiers to downtown, it would have depended on if you were staying on the Pontchartrain towards the lake or if you were going to continue going I guess, downriver, quote-unquote, towards the French Quarter.
1: Yeah. I'd have to see the 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 drawing of it again to remember exactly how it was.
0: Yeah, because I think there might have been a second level of the spiral just for the connecting ramps.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. if, if, if there was a possibility, I think, that you would have to go 720 degrees around the thing, <laughs> uh, depending on where you come from and where you're going.
0: How it's cool like a traffic that circle been? that never ends. How cool would that have been? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that the things that never get built, you know, sometimes you find that those are the more fascinating things than the things that actually did happen.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: Um, I also want to touch on something else, um, a couple other subjects on the freeway front. Um, the, we talked about I-10 and how it kind of has that path between New Orleans and Slidell. Um, One of the things that is really popular also in the road enthusiast community is not only unbuilt freeways, but also unfinished roads and abandoned roads and, you know, half built interchanges and stuff like that. Well, you do get your share of that kind of thing out in New Orleans East, um, And I know you love personally driving around New Orleans East. It's your favorite part of Louisiana to drive around, right? Just kidding. Um, But, uh, yeah, I was looking into this recently because I know that you've mentioned this area to me before. But um, there are abandoned overpasses on Mm. I-10. I think that... Now, I drove this when it was open. It's been... Now, the the Michu Boulevard exit on I-10 has been closed since... Well, we're recording this in March of 2023. It's been closed since October of 22. Wait, what? The I-10 and Michu interchange.
1: It's closed?
0: Yeah, they have the whole interchange closed.
1: <clears throat> I had no oh, idea. Um...
0: Yeah, well, supposedly what they're doing is they're... Well, the official explanation from the city is that they're taking the opportunity to start to clear out all the illegal dumping that's been going on there over the years. Uh, then, I mean, that,
1: that's always been the dumping grounds for you know couches, tires, <laughs> stolen cars, you know yeah. anything that you wanted to get rid of because it's kind of kind of a hidden area.
0: Yeah, it's really the end of New Orleans East, right? I mean, pretty
1: much. Yeah, it's yeah. end of the developed part of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, like, like you can go on Google Street View, for instance. If you go to um, Michoud Boulevard there right at the north end, like I'm looking at a Google Street View image from February 2023, and what's the first thing that I see? Oh, it's a burned-out car. <laughs> Which, you know, unfortunately, doesn't surprise me that that would be the first thing I would see out that way. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of abandoned roadways out there, like the north end of Mishu Boulevard is ends at basically a dead end. It used to give you access to I ten, but that's been closed off at least indefinitely for the foreseeable future. Um there's also the service roads on I ten, they used to kinda if you were coming at it from the west, like at Bullard and Reed out that way, and you were heading east, you used to be able to follow the service road continuously onto I five ten southbound, but they've closed mm-hmm. that off too. Yep. Um and Google Maps conveniently says that it's closed until twenty thirty. So oh, that's um, uh that's that's kind of a long term closure I would say. Yeah,
1: We're, but there's hope. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you're <laughs> saying it might reopen. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean I don't I don't know why anybody would ever want to go that i I think I've driven that once uh just to see where it went and that was like twenty five years ago. Uh there's really not any reason for anybody to take that. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, I mean you can jump on uh you know, you could jump on I ten at Bullard and and get on five ten and then exit at Lake Forest Boulevard. Um uh, and it it gets you the same place. I don't know why they would even need that. I guess yeah. they thought there was gonna be development along the I five ten service road, which there never has been.
0: Yeah, so before I get to that, yeah, because that's that's something that we should touch on too. Um, I I did drive that service road once. I, it was open like six years ago. Oh, really? I was in town, yeah. So I I, I remember driving it, but it, it like you said, it's kind of a dead end that just kind of there's there's nothing on it of any there's no development or anything like that, and it just dumps you onto Lake Forest, right at, right across from where the five ten exit is there. Right. So it's a pretty redundant roadway to have without any actual development on it. But yeah, I guess they. they the, yeah, they thought also, there would be
1: development, you know.
0: Well, they sure did, and I think the I think the New Orleans East development, or the modern version of it, goes back to. I don't know. I guess it was the Moon landrew administration that really pushed hard for it. Or does it yeah. go back even further than that? Because so officially, for people out there. New Orleans East officially refers to anything in Orleans Parish that's east of the Industrial Canal.
1: Well, no, let me stop you. That's Eastern New Orleans because New Orleans East was actually the name of a corporation that was developing land out there. So so there is a difference.
0: Okay, so there was Eastern New Orleans.
1: Right, which is what they officially call it, but everybody in New Orleans. I mean, the New Orleans East Corporation, Land Development Corporation, hasn't existed in 30 years. Uh, but the big concrete monolith that's out there on the side of I ten that says New Orleans East was actually <laughs> advertisement for the developer. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. So then eventually the whole area just became known as New Orleans East. Yeah,
1: right? New Orleans right. East or Eastern New Orleans. I mean, I call it New Orleans East. And and that, that is anything east of the Intracoastal Canal. I mean, the Industrial Canal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that that, uh, that that concrete sign you mentioned, that was right... I think that was more or less at the I-10 Mishu Boulevard exit.
1: It's between 510 or Paris Road and Mishu. It's... it's yeah. um, yeah, I'm trying to find it on street yeah, you can see it on street view and they've kinda let the stuff grow around it too. So it's if you're right alongside it, you can still see it from I ten, but you can't see it from as you approach it anymore, really.
0: Yeah. But they were gonna develop that whole area for what is yeah, like from I five ten on east through what is now the Bayou Sauvage National Wildlife Area. Like that was all supposed to be suburban development. Right, one time or another and in fact if you look at if you drive i-10 today between the 510 exit and the lake pontchartrain twin spans there are still you can still pass through uh, a couple of interchanges that were built for future development in the area that were never opened because the developments were never constructed Mm -hmm. um i think so there's the Mishu Boulevard exit which was the one that was built and then east of there there were two interchanges and there are two overpasses that were built uh one for each interchange and I believe the I think both in both of those interchanges cases the ramps were built they were certainly graded cause when you look the at The ramps were there
1: till a few years ago.
0: Yeah, so that the ramps were there too. Uh, and you can still see this pretty clearly uh, if you look at satellite images. Um but yeah, they were never open because the the connecting developments were never built. I right. think there was also talk in the seventies of building a new airport out this way. Yeah, Is that, that was sound about right?
1: that was suggested at one time, um, and that actually may go back even further than the seventies. Uh, but. Uh, that may have been before there was any kind of residential develop, or before the residential development really kicked off out there. Uh, that was always considered to be a pretty bad idea. Uh, there really isn't any solid ground once you get past I five ten. Yeah, you know they they got lucky with the you know the stuff that they built along Crowder, Reed, and Bullard in Morrison. Um,
0: which are the main streets basically of North right. East from like Little Woods on west towards like Seabrook and the canal area, yeah.
1: Yeah, Crowder Reed and Buller to your north south, and then there's actually streets in between them that don't connect to the interstate, and then east west is Morrison and, and Dwyer and then Sheffinter Highway. Um, so it was pretty well in 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 the exits are and I've looked this up at one time, the exits are a certain distance apart. There's another main north-south between those, which is Bundy Road and Wright Road. Um, And then in between each of those is a drainage canal that goes to the lake. And so it was very well, very carefully planned out. Uh, Yes, it was,
0: yeah.
1: And... It's it, it would have been fine except that, you know, when the pump shot off with Hurricane Katrina, it all went underwater because there was nobody to man the pumping stations and get all that water out of there. Yeah. Uh, you know, plus there, I think there were levee, I guess there were levee breaches involved with that too. Uh. But yeah, it was it was a very well-planned community. If I lived out there, and I, I have a drainage canal in my backyard, and it's this concrete you know, it's got concrete banks that go down in a V, and then you got water that runs down the middle of it. That's about a foot deep. What they have in New Orleans, East, if I lived backed up to one of those, I would say, oh, I live on the bayou, because it doesn't look like a drainage canal. It looks more like a bayou. It's 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 wide, and it's you know, uh, and I guess as long as the water flows, it's not stagnant or anything like that. Uh, it does look a little bit better than what we see in Jefferson Parish.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, they, they envisioned New Orleans East as a suburban utopia. Right. When they when they drew up the plans for it. Yeah. You know, it was supposed to be suburban. It was a, a, the suburban blue-collar community for right. people living in the city. Um, and so what you see on the map today, what was built, is only really a fraction of what they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think basically the short version of it and correct me if i'm wrong on any of this is that the initial developments were built and the homes were occupied and then the oil bust of the 1980s happened and then people started to move out of the community and then out of that vacuum you know there was a a whole shift in population dynamics and the place just the whole thing just was like a house of cards it fell apart
1: Yep, the property values crashed, and, uh, you know, and any hope for further development, uh, you know, which is everything east of 510, that was the end of it, you know, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Although they did build one small neighborhood off of Mishu Boulevard, um, and boy, that neighborhood got hit hard by Katrina. I remember driving through there about a month after Katrina and you could see inside of garages, there were two car garages that had two cars in them and one car was on top of the other. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that neighborhood must have been completely like, you know, water up to the tops of the roofs
0: in that neighborhood. Yeah, it had to be. Because I mean, yeah. that was, I, I think that, the The general report was that you know, a lot of that area was under eight feet of water,
1: at like least ten feet
0: of water. Yeah, cause yeah. Like they, that that's one of the most vulnerable parts of the whole city out that right. way. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's already a swamp out there, and even though it is within the flood pl- the flood protection, you know, levee system, uh, it's already a swamp, and it's probably sunk two feet since they built it, so that puts them below sea level and you know, it doesn't take much to flood.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we could talk about we could talk about the, the, the drawbacks of development in areas like that too. How, mm. you know, it's all it all it all sounds great, you know, we built New Orleans on this reclaimed land, basically. Right. But so much of it is gradually subsiding because of, you know, the the development on top of that land and also because you've diverted the Mississippi by way of levees and all that you've deprived it of the natural reclamation that would happen seasonally right. so right. you know you, you've kind of created you've solved one problem but you've created another bigger problem in the process right
1: um, and, and I mean the entire southeast part of Louisiana is sinking and it's probably got a lot to do with the, the you know the river control and all that uh, you know if the river was allowed to meander like it's supposed to the, the it would have built itself back up uh, but then, you know, New Orleans wouldn't exist.
0: <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, so uh,
1: I, I'm pretty certain if the Mississippi River had been allowed to take its own course, it would come out around Morgan City or along what is the, the Atchafalaya Basin. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's where the Mississippi River would go, and New Orleans would be, there would be no reason for New Orleans to exist if not for the port.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things that I did when I was in Louisiana in February was I drove. I took a drive from Baton Rouge. Ultimately, I drove from Baton Rouge to Memphis, but I took a bit of a back way to get there. So I crossed. I took US 61 out of Baton Rouge. I crossed the Audubon Bridge on Highway 10 and then picked up Highway 1 and Mm. took that up through Morganza. Right. And then. At highway and then I headed north up river on highway 15, which if you've never done that, that's an interesting drive because that takes you by the old river control structure, uh, which is situated where the Mississippi meets where, or where the Mississippi runs north to south basically and then the mm-hmm. Red River comes in from the northwest. And then the Atchafalaya River starts at this point and heads more or less due south, while the Mississippi runs more southeasterly. Um, oh. That's an interesting spot to visit because you get to see like, all the confluence of those bodies of water at that single point. Huh. And the way that the way that it's evolved over the years is that basically the Red River doesn't even meet the Mississippi anymore. It just heads straight down into the Atchafalaya. Um, so that's all Red River water that you see passing Morgan City. Um, and in fact, the flood of 1973 nearly overwhelmed the Old River control structure. Um, huh. at that point. And they say that had the structure failed, then the Mississippi river would have changed course that day just to well, run, I mean... just to run down to Morgan city. Cause you know, the river, the Mississippi has, I mean, it's changed course many times over its history right. and it always wants to take the shortest possible route. Um, and so the Atchafalaya route down to the Gulf is much shorter than to head down through Baton Rouge and New Orleans that way right
1: um, it's not actually the shortest route there there's actually I recently saw a video on this it, it there's a number of factors that uh come together that that explain why a river takes its course and um it's, it's way too complicated to go into. You'd have to see this video, and I wish I I, I wish I would have bookmarked it because it was a really good explanation. But uh, the um, it still would, it, yeah, if, if it took the Atchafalaya, it would provide a shorter course. But if we didn't have the levees, I don't think it would even be the Atchafalaya at this point. I think it would be very, very different than what we have now. Um, now back several years ago, I'm guessing it was like 11, 2011 or 2012. They had to open the Morganza spillway for the first time ever. And, uh, they didn't know whether they were going to be able to close it again. Uh, (laughs) but it was, it was at a point where the river flooding was so severe that the Bonnie Carrie spillway wasn't enough and they had to divert more water further north. And, uh, that would have almost certainly resulted in the Mississippi River rerouting itself to the Chafalaya and if that had started to happen i don't think they would have been able to stop it
0: yeah that's one of those things where it it happens and there's nothing you can do about it right it was kind right. of along for the ride at that point yep. yeah yeah is it true that they had only opened that that was the first time that they opened Morganza
1: it was either the first time they had ever opened it or it was the first time they'd opened it in like 50 or 60 years. I don't I don't remember exactly what it was now, but I know it had been, you know, it had been a very, very long time. The see, Volganza, the body carry gets opened every few years.
0: Yeah, I, I know about that one. And a lot of these spillways and flood control structures were put in after the 1927 flood, mm-hmm. which basically decimated the whole river basically downstream of memphis right um and so they realized that they had a huge problem on their hands because they wanted to, to ensure the development of these cities along the river so it's you know it's not just new orleans it's it's baton rouge and it's natchez and it's you know vicksburg you know places like that that they wanted to protect as well Right. Um so yeah, they came up with this whole system of levees and flood control structures to help move water around, help divert water away from these population centers. And so, you know, what that did though was that it basically channelized the river downstream mm-hmm. of Memphis, so now you couldn't rely on the seasonal, you know, the flooding or the resedimentation of the of the surrounding land for agricultural purposes um so you know cities like baton rouge have become pretty large uh, population centers that they may not have been but at the same time you've lost a whole lot of uh, environmental uh, benefit as well right well we did spend a lot of time talking about the riverfront expressway Proposal, which was originally floated, as we said, in the 1946 arterial plan, um, but there's one other highway that I'm that continues to interest me even to this day, and that was the proposal for the New Orleans Outer Loop, which I don't know how it got this nickname, but it became known as the Dixie Freeway, and the only remnants of it that actually ever saw the light of day are the two ends of it. The western end of it, which was built as I three ten, uh, which is from which runs sort of southwesterly from Kenner and the airport area down across the Mississippi River at Destrahan and ending at US ninety. And then the eastern end of it, which is now known as I five ten, um, and that just runs south from I-10 through New Orleans East, past the old Jazzland development, and to the bridge at uh, the Intracoastal Waterway there at Paris Road. Um, those are the two ends of it, and that those are the only two pieces of it that were ever built. Um, as far as I can tell, the idea for building an outer loop of New Orleans really gained steam in the 1960s. They were planners were looking into the reality that the west bank was going to become a much larger suburban community than what they had originally envisioned it becoming and i mean and we kind of mentioned this earlier when we were talking about how bell chase was originally this plantation community that became a suburban bedroom community for new orleans and how Um, you know, the West Bank Expressway was built in the 1950s as a divided highway, but it wasn't until the eighties even that they started upgrading that to full freeway standards. But this was all done in response to, you know, the suburban, you know, sprawl that happened in places like Gretna and Harvey and all the way down to Belchase. But planners in the 1960s had envisioned the need for a second highway on the West Bank, further south of the West Bank Expressway. So that's kind of where this idea of an outer loop started. And before too much longer, it had grown into a full outer beltway of New Orleans, which, as I said, had its western end at what's now I-310 and its eastern end at what's now 510. The highway went through different iterations of... Plans. There were different alignments drawn up. It's generally agreed that had they built this highway, you know, to what its you know, original vision was, it would have from the south end of I three ten, it would have made a hard right turn to shadow US ninety to the south. And then it would have followed roughly where La Palco Boulevard is now today. Um to a point where it would have then paralleled the west bank of the Intracoastal Canal, and that would have led to a bridge over the Mississippi River at Chalmette in Saint Bernard Parish. Now there are there now within this variation there are other variations, but let's for the moment we'll keep it simple and we'll just assume that they would have built the bridge at Chalmette. Um, the freeway then would have gone through Chalmette and then would have run again, parallel to Paris Road, which is Highway 47, to the bridge over the uh, Mississippi River Gulf Outlet slash Intercoastal Waterway, a.k.a. the uh, Paris Road Bridge, a.k.a. the Green Bridge, uh, to where I-510 begins today. That's the extent of the Dixie Freeway. Now, it was originally envisioned to be part of the interstate system. Uh, It had the working title of Interstate 410, um, and construction contracts, as I said, were issued for the western segment, which became I-310, and the eastern segment, which became I-510. Um, other than that, no construction ever advanced. It remains a dotted line on the map to this day. What is interesting is that in 2003, the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development did issue a long-range study for it was basically a giant wish list that they had uh, for you know, highways that they were looking to add or highway, high, new highways that they were looking to build and also major improvements to existing highways that they were looking to make to kind of bring the Louisiana infrastructure system into the 21st century, if you will. And one of the things that remains on their long-range plan is not only the construction of a new Mississippi River bridge in the area of roughly where the Chalmette and Lower Algiers ferry runs today, but also they're talk. They continue to have this outer beltway sitting there on their on their planning map. Um, it's not really clear what alignment or it would take if they were to build it today. It's not really clear what it would even look like. Would they even build it as a freeway? You know, would they build it as a surface divided highway of some sort? Um, those those kinds of details remain pretty unclear. But it's interesting that you know while I four ten was canceled. I mean, it was it's it's probably been canceled about fifty years now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yet there are still these. You know the the idea of a new highway is across the West Bank, south of the West Bank Expressway, is still considered to be something of a logical option. Um, So that's that's kind of the short version of the history of the Dixie Freeway. Now, of course, as I said, you know 310 exists today, and that was a big deal because that created a new Mississippi River Bridge at the far west end of the metro where there hadn't been a bridge before Um, and then I-510 as I said was kind of built as a vehicle to expedite development of the New Orleans East project and also because and it's also important to mention that the 510 corridor is really the most direct connection that St. Bernard Parish has to the interstate system Uh, Because, really, most of St. Bernard Parish's population is located in the Chalmette area. And that highway connects, you know, via Highway 47, that connects you with Chalmette directly. So the the idea of having a major freeway to connect with uh, suburban St. Bernard Parish was always seen as being a good idea. But the Dixie Freeway would have taken the I-510 idea and extended it further towards the river and eventually over the river, so it would have kind of been this much larger, uh, larger than life, if you will, uh, proposal. That 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 then again never got off the ground. But it's interesting to look at the different alignments that they were looking at, and like I said, you know, me being an engineer, I like to I like to play the what if game with stuff like this. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, my, my my knowledge of the Dixie Freeway goes back to a map that I had back in the early 1970s, I guess, that was either an Esso or a Shell map, or, you know, that the gas stations would give away. And it had the Dixie Freeway that, in as you said, La Palco Boulevard, it wasn't that far from there. And it was just, you know, a red dotted line on the map. And that was the only, uh, you know, that that's the only place I've ever really seen it in print. And I've, you know, none of the later maps have it uh, that I've seen. Uh, but yeah, just logically, if they were to extend where five ten is now down Paris Road along LA forty seven and across the river, they could actually run that along the that branch of the Intracoastal Canal down to near Lafitte where they could almost cut that highway through and then connect it back with I-310 without going through any populated areas. Uh, It it wouldn't be that hard for them to do, but um, the future I-49 which was originally supposed to become part of the West Bank Expressway, I, I doubt that we'll ever see that happen. But what wouldn't surprise me that it would happen, and this is still speculation, but I mean I've seen other people make this speculation, would be to extend I-49 south from Lafayette along Highway 90, which is limited access all the way to Bayou Lafouche they would only have to complete limited access from Bayou Lafouche to right south of which and where, yeah,
0: Which is where 310 comes in.
1: Right. Well, yeah. they they would have to bypass probably like Desalemans and Parity. Uh, but they could go around and then just go straight into 310 from the south where there's already a stub ramp. You know at the end of 310 that was never connected to anything so mm-hmm. it's like they had intended to uh, continue 310 across Highway 90 anyway
0: yeah they knew that they wanted to do something with that but they weren't sure they weren't able to commit to anything at that point
1: yeah right right and that's something that you know that's that in and, and, and I think 310 at that point would become I 49 which would then connect back with I 10 out by the airport And that's mainly because the only way to get it any further than that would be to do that similar route to what I'm looking at for what would be the Dixie Freeway that would just go south of the populated area because West Wigo is never going to let them cut an interstate or anything controlled access through their city. Uh, They they managed to stop the West Bank Expressway. um, I, I don't think. I don't think that the I-49 would ever take that path and that would make it impossible to connect it with the West Bank Expressway so it would either return to I-10 on 310 or if the Dixie Freeway concept were to be built it could even take it all the way around to Chalmette
0: yeah, could go out that you know? way yeah. or it
1: could just end on a 410 southern loop you know <clears throat>
0: Yeah, there is precedent for that too.
1: Yeah, you know? and I mean it, it, it would kind of connect everything together, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I get the feeling from driving, driving in like I don't know, like the Bell Chase Highway down by like on the on your side of the Intracoastal Canal. Mm-hmm. But like once you get into like what I call Deep Jefferson Parish, like further, much further south from the West Bank. Um, there's there aren't really a lot of good road options in that area. Um, the, well, there's certainly no limited access options, but there's no, no good east west routes through that part of the suburbia down there.
1: And You're I talking think, about kind of like Morero Lafitte, you know, going down that way.
0: Yeah, like you know, like Estelle and Woodmere and out out that way. Like there's no. And I there's no good highway options out that way, and I think that's kind of what the planners were getting at when they drew up this idea for the Outer Loop, was that they, they knew the development would make it down there and that they would need another highway down in the southern fringe of the metro. At the same time, they also recognized that US-90 was going to need to be bypassed even more long distance than what it was. Right. Um, so to combine those two, they kind of came up with the outer loop idea. Um, like I said, it's certainly was ambitious because one of the things they would have had to do for the most part, because if you look at the area on a map, one of the things you notice is that most of the area is swampland. So right. they would have had to build most of it on either elevated causeways like they did on I-55, for instance. Um, or they would have had to build it on levees. Or flood control structures of some sort out that way.
1: It would pretty much have to be elevated. Um, yeah. You know, if they followed the Intracoastal Canal, the the eastern branch of the Intracoastal Canal that goes through Belchase, if they followed that down, wrapped it around the south side of Woodmere, and then across the south side of Estelle, and then wrapped it up the west side of Estelle to avoid the Jean Lafitte National Historic Park and Preserve, because, you know, that's something that, you know, it's another one of those things that you just can't build a freeway through, but they could wrap it around the west side of Estelle to avoid that and then kind of head northwest up towards, uh, you know, that would eventually get you working your way west towards Boutique. Yeah. They could intersect it with lafitte la Highway, which is LA 3134, um, which would provide freeway access to all of, you know, Southern Morero, Estelle Woodmere, that would put them right... God, it, 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 that's so far from Highway 9. You know, the West Bank Expressway is the closest limited access. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is such a, a haul from there. You know, if you're down at the southern end of Estelle, it can take you 15, 20 minutes to get to the expressway from there. Oh,
0: easily, yeah.
1: Um, you know, or Lafitte is even worse, because, I mean...
0: Yeah, you're way down
1: there. At yeah, line. you could be down at the southern part of Lafitte, and you're you're a half hour, forty minutes away from civil, you know, from <laughs> civilization, really. You know, yeah, I mean, because yeah. that is kind of isolated down there. You have to pass through un, unpopulated areas to get down there. Yeah. Um. But if they if they connected a limited access highway with 3134 between Lafitte and Estelle. That puts everything a lot closer to, you know, to uh, just to being able to get out of there. You know, think of
0: evacuations during hurricanes and stuff like that. Oh, I know. Yep. This concludes part two of my three-part discussion with Jason Hoffman from the Five Hundred Four Road Trips YouTube channel. Uh, I certainly hope you enjoyed this part, and uh, hope you're looking forward to. The conclusion of our conversation in part three, which is coming soon. You've been listening to an episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast, a product of Spotify for Podcasters. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. I certainly hope you've enjoyed this episode. And until the next one, happy travels, take care, be well, and I'll talk to you later. Take care. You're exactly right about Lee. If they don't get Lee, I mean, there's other guys like, you know, Greinke's, uh, no, no, it would be a bad move. If you're talking about guys like Matt Garza, therefore, I mean... They were, they were a whole level down. Yeah, exactly. But when you talk about the Yanks in the minor leagues, they got the two catchers, Romain and, and Montero. Sure. But they also got, say, for example, in Double-A and Trenton, Jeff Calvert with the nasty knuckle curveball, this kid Jeff Calvert. Guys like that is, you know, we're talking lifestyle issue, am I wrong?
1: Wait, wait, Lee?
0: Yeah, well, Jeff Calvert,
1: Jeff Calvert Montero—they both got lifestyle issues. What do you mean lifestyle issues?
0: Uh, just what you're talking about. I think you have a lifestyle issue.
1: Oh, I don't know. What are you What are you talking about? I mean, you're just being a fool now. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. You know, I don't know. I I, I thought he was being serious. I don't know what the heck he's talking about.